0: Welcome in y'all. I think we're live now. Here with a legendary man doing great things. Um, we were just talking off stream about kind of our lives and our story and our journey, plural, our journeys and our goals, long term goals of like homesteading and just being righteous men, <laughs> doing the right thing, learning and growing one step at a, one step at a time along the way. And uh, yeah, with that long term plan of like homesteading and being self sustainable and being able to like build for yourself, grow for yourself, provide for yourself, protect your family, yourself and your family, I guess. What's going on, y'all? Thanks for tuning in. Team and Hunter Bears in the chat, my girlfriend's in the chat. Send questions if you have them. Anyone else here? I'm going to send out the live notification. My girlfriend says, and have babies. Yes, lots and lots and lots of babies. Be fruitful and multiply. Um, first first thing God told us to do was to be fruitful and multiply. So it seems like that might be important. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that and some other fun topics here. Right on. Alrighty, bro. We are here with Courage My Lads, a.k.a. <laughs> Scott Tungay. Um and it's, your website is scotttungay.com. It's amazing. Right. I advise everyone go check it out. It's awesome. Thank Blogs you. on it. Awesome. Just everything. Mission. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about some of the stuff on it. But I wanted to say, because it's a tricky spelling. It's it's C-O-T-T-T. Three T's. Because every time I type it in, I would do two T's. <laughs> and it wouldn't pull up the right thing. So yeah. S-C-O-T-T-T-U-N-G-A-Y.com and at courage my lads on twitter yep. and on instagram yep and is there anything else I'm um, like any other websites uh, or on, you want to... on
1: gab um yeah. i have a feeling okay. it's just Scott Tange on gab yeah um i think that's all the all the places
0: yeah yeah gab's my favorite now <laughs> for sure i was kicked off of twitter 6 times and so wow. th- instead of making a That's
1: impressive gab- how do you even how do you even do that <laughs>
0: just continue to be controversial and and or just like a man of god you know what are the do you other, find either. people i used to i used to okay so like three of the bannings were kind of when my like one band the first band was before i was even like a christian it was still in my like fallen state days being like a raunchy yeah. stupid wannabe comedian guy and then it started to be like my wake up my waking up <laughs> my conversion yeah. my sanctification process i was still a little edgy and offensive and stuff like that so i got a couple of counts and then a lot the you know more recent bands and the final band were really just like being a christian just saying stuff like Mm -hmm. men and women aren't equal banned.
1: yeah (laughs) dude it's it's (laughs) so funny because like when there's like mass purges because you know there's been like i don't know what four or five like mass purging yeah moments where like you know dudes are just wiped out in the hundreds yeah (laughs) every time i'm like am I a fed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like,
0: how, am I how did that, I, so?
1: how did I survive? And but I think I've, I think I've realized that every dude I talked to who I'm like, dude, why did you get banned? They're like, no, no, I was fighting with all of these with all of these left wing parasites yeah. and they all, uh, what do you call it? They all reported me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't fight with people on the left. I'm just like block, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that's the key to my longevity. Um, I still, I, I still am very shocked, uh, to have, yeah, to, to still be alive. And it's like, am I not edgy enough or am I a fed? It's like, no, I block, I block left-wing parasites.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Am I not doing enough? How can I start my game up here and (laughs) join the cool kids club? Well, my last banning, my final banning was, um, I'm I'm assuming you're familiar with Nick Fuentes, all those guys. So he had, like, you know, he got banned, and he had all these secret accounts, and then they would get banned, and then he had another secret account, you know, anonymous quote-unquote accounts, and then there was a big banning they did of basically, like, anyone who was following that account on, like, okay. December 7th or something like that, and so I was down. and I'm not even, like, the biggest, like, Nick Fuentes guy, I'm just like, oh, this is funny, his yeah. account, you know, and, and you so they just went in. through, and whoever was following them got banned, so um that's hilarious that was kind of my final one and then i tried to make one more account and they banned it (laughs) right away because i think they have like an algorithm that can find your Your ip IP. exactly so at that point i was like uh i mean i can find a way to work around this but i'm kind of just exhausted with twitter anyways you know but yeah it's a great place to get the message out you know yeah exactly conversations if you want like share your testimony that's exactly my thoughts on it yeah really get the word out so it's unfortunate that it's also just too sensitive and (laughs) you know, but yeah, I like gab. It's just the problem with gab is you can't interact with politicians or celebrities or sports stars or, you know, most people aren't aren't on it. And that's not, there's no real like opposition. Like, yeah, there's kind of that in group fighting the, you know, white Christian male, different various categories and groups of those kind of people in group fighting. But it's not like you can have a conversation with an atheist and potentially, Spark or plant a seed or spark a thought in his head that's maybe going to lead to some kind of conversion or some kind of like revelation in his life that's going to improve him. for yeah. Better. Um, so you're not And also the like
1: the that. size exactly. Also the size of the all the different network nodes. You know, <clears throat> on Twitter you could be you know because for a long time I was just a little two three four hundred uh, follower account. So I was by no means you know uh, doing high volume analytics or anything. <laughs> But you you still had access and kind of, uh, you still had the flow of all of these huge networks that you were you know commenting in and and sharing in. Whereas on Gab, I feel, um, and this is what I'm trying to work through right now. Obviously, I'm a very small account on Gab, so there's not a lot of traction. There's not a lot of volume, and you it's really hard to try and break out of you know like you get caught in the white nationalist node of guys. You get caught in the you know, like the, the bear node, you get caught in the conservative mega mom node, you know, and it's like, <clears throat> yeah. how do I break out of this? Like, how do I find <laughs> all the other nodes that I would also like to be involved in? So I, you know, I'm still learning, uh, the ins and outs of gab of, of how to not, um, you know, get your newsfeed clogged with like one node. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting, place to be in you know i think i think twitter is definitely still it's very valuable um but out of out of loyalty and out of principle you know gab is is the way forward you know and um i think it's just a diligence thing on on my behalf and i think on a lot of guys behalf of just making sure that everything you do on twitter make sure you're putting you know that effort into gab as well
0: yeah yeah very well said yeah Um, I want to ask you, you kind of touched on a pre stream, but, um, I always like to ask just Christian men if they want to share their testimonies.
1: Yeah, I, uh, grew up in a, so I'm from South Africa, um, fourth generation English settlers. Um, my parents were pretty much agnostic. Um, and so I, I, uh, grew up in the public school system and of course in any great heritage, Christian nation. You have a very heritage Christian education system. so our our little government school, primary school, what what you Americans would call elementary school, um, had had Sunday school every Wednesday. So at the end of day of Wednesday, you'd have one whole period where some one of the parents or someone in the in the community would come in and would teach your class, you know either through the Bible or through Christian uh, principles or whatever so you know right from grade one all the way through to grade seven i had this christian framework you know it was just a it was a assumed worldview. you know and and that was kind of the world we grew up in was this you know end stage christendom where even though i i never you know i never made a decision for christ i never uh i never was regenerated if you want to call it that I lived, you know, I knew that, I knew that that was the worldview, like God is real. We're Christians, uh, you know, culturally Christians. I, I wouldn't have been able to have articulated that, but that's, that's what I grew up in. <clears throat> uh, and then my older brother, uh, he's 10 years older than me. He went off on his own journey to uh, Buddhism and New Age and, uh, you know, all of the, the Eastern mysticism and all that kind of stuff. And then when he was uh, at university, uh, this guy uh, came up to him and was like, "Hey man, do you want to see real power?" <laughs> and my brother's like, "Yeah, sure." And he's like, "Come to my Bible study on Tuesday night." <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so my brother ends up going to this guy's Bible study and and you know starting a relationship with this guy and being discipled, and so he becomes a Christian, and um, he would come home on weekends and and started discipling me and. Uh, this guy who uh, had converted my brother, uh, the one weekend, my brother's like, we're going camping. So I'm like, sweet. So this guy who had converted my brother and my brother and I, uh, we all go, uh, hiking up in the mountains, up to a cave to stay the night. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that was, uh, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. You know, I, I uh, believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, um, so I, I was 13 years old and, but like really had no, you know, no uh, other than a, a worldview, I had no theological basis or understanding. Um, so uh, high school starts for us at, at 13, 14 years old. So I went to high school and uh, got involved in a church. Um, to the horror of many kind of reformed guys, <clears throat> I, uh, I uh, started going to a charismatic church and um, the great thing about a charismatic church is once you've been in a charismatic church, you're not, uh, you've seen everything, you know, and you're not, you're not, uh, you're not offended by anything. You're not, um, you're not, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm really grateful
0: you've held uh, for, a few you know, so
1: I, I didn't get that far. The, the, the holding snakes and drinking poison was like, that, that would have been the final boss, but I never got there. <laughs> Man, so, uh, there's still time, I, <laughs> man, you know, there's
2: still... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, there's there's time. Um so the uh I'm really grateful, you know, for for 5 years in a in a charismatic small town church, you know. Um yep. But but through all of that, you know, my my heart was really as a young as a young teenager, my heart was really uh desired a, a father figure. I was never very close to my dad. Uh he wasn't a, he was a he was a really good father. Uh but but we we were distant, you know. The, the British stiff upper lip, no emotion. Um, and he was just a busy guy, you know, it's a very busy guy. And I was away at boarding school and, and then he passed away when I was 16. And so I, I I had this longing, this desire in my heart, uh, for a father, you know, I I needed that father wound healed, you know? And, uh, I just never, never, I never received that. Um, you know, even right, right through till, you know, Probably till I, till I was married was when I really kind of got to this place of you're never going to find, um, not never, but but men are seldom going to find that father wound healed uh, in, a, in a physical earthly father, you know, either their own father or placing that expectation, that heavy, heavy expectation on pastors to fulfill the, the fatherly role, which, you know, it, it got me very uh, resentful, got me very bitter. You know, I've, I had a lot of rejection, a lot of victim- mentality uh, towards a lot of older guys in the church because what what it does is it gets you into a performance you know the orphan wants to perform for love and so man I fell into this this heavy performance um, Christianity where if I if I perform enough if I become the best Christian in you know doing all the Christian things that this church celebrates or whatever you know this denomination or, or flow, celebrates then maybe i will make it and maybe an older you know elder or or pastor or church leader will see me from the crowd and pick me out as his adopted son and tell me that i've made it as a christian and i've made it as a man and that never happened you know and uh, so you you get this incredible uh sense of rejection and loneliness and um and almost victimhood uh and so that was a, a huge thing for me to deal with, and I and I think uh, getting married to my wife. So I got married at 25, and I think getting married, it really is a, a a defining kind of end. You know, a lot of guys ask, when does manhood begin? When does adulthood begin? And and ideally, it starts at 12 uh, as a young man when you're when you're uh, given a rite of passage, when you're given an initiation ceremony by the older man, by your father, your uncles, the men in your community. And they they tell you, you're a man now, my son. Uh, But for us in the West, that that doesn't happen. Uh, The closest thing we have to to initiation ceremony, to some form of of significant communal event where people bestow upon you a new identity is marriage is your wedding ceremony. And so for a lot of men, which which was my case, You know the first time you actually feel like oh wait i'm an actual adult now i'm an actual man and i i have you know i need to let go of these childish uh desires these childish feelings you know of of victimhood and rejection and orphan orphanhood and all that kind of stuff and so it was was an incredible kind of ceremony for me you know getting married to my wife because it's like okay i'm a husband now i'm i'm the head of a, a family now i'm the head of a household now and it's your your first kind of yeah uh, you know, public ceremony of other men acknowledging that, you know yeah. and so my my kind of Christianity is now, you know I've this last five five years or so, my wife and I have been on this journey of of really understanding you know I'm not uh, I'm not a victim that's that is such a huge thing that kills many Christians yeah. uh, you know this thing of victimhood because you listen to many Christians, and they're like, Oh brother, we're just praying for Jesus to come back or we're just praying for the rapture or, you know, Oh God, I, you know, <clears throat> whatever it is, whatever. And I'm not saying, you know, prosperity gospel, like your life's going to be a millionaire tomorrow. I'm saying, you know, all, all of us are going to have hardship, you know, for our whole life, we're going to have hardship. The, the Bible promises that, you know, you will have trouble on this earth on in this life. But at the same time, I am no longer this orphan. I am no longer this wretch. I am no longer this, this, uh, victim because Christ saved me. He did save me. Christ did free me from sin and shame. He did free me from, uh, poverty and violence. He did free me from, uh, you know, all my past generational crap and all this kind of stuff. I am now a son of God. I am now a king that Christ is king of. I am now an heir, um, according uh, to Christ. And his work for me and so this has been like a an incredible life change for my wife and i in in our life going forward is is this thing of you know if you become a christian uh there is no more victimhood you know there is no more uh feeling sorry for ourselves there is no more uh trying to get pity and and virtue uh signaling to people about your problems you know because so many christians do that especially people in the in the ministry domain in in mission They will, you know, be like, oh, guys, you won't believe my car broke down this week. Oh, guys, you won't believe my son's in hospital. Oh, guys, you won't believe uh, my job fired me. Oh, you won't. And they they put all their sob stories out. And it's like, why are you doing that as a man? Why are you doing that? It's to elicit pity. It's to elicit virtue because so many Christians have put virtue in being victims, in being, uh, you know, broken orphans. And so for me, you know, it's it's this whole thing that I'm now so to finish off my testimony of of where I am now, you know, my testimony of faith. Yeah. I am now in this place of trying to understand what it means to be uh, a son of God, what it means to be a king that Christ is king of. You know, a king doesn't go around telling everyone sob stories. You know, a king doesn't go around telling everyone like oh you won't believe (laughs) how badly everyone's treating me and it's like no no no. like a king has got crap that he wants to get done you know a king's like this is these are my projects these are my guys this is where we go and do stuff you know and and david you know i love reading the stories of abraham and the stories of david and jonathan and uh, joseph and all these old testament patriarchs because they had king energy they had this king identity about them that even in the most adverse of circumstances. You know, David was basically slandered by CNN. He was slandered by the, the president. He had the IRS after him. <laughs> he, he, was, he was out. He had to like, you know, escape DC and go and live in the cornfields of Nebraska, you know, while he was chased down by the FBI and the IRS. And I was like, that's a pretty bad place to be, you know, and deplatformed and all this kind of stuff. That, that was David's life. And yet he still acted in a kingly way. You know, he's still, uh, he was still a man after God's heart. He, he never went into victimhood. He never went into woe is me and um, what's the word I'm looking for, like eliciting sympathy and all this stuff. You know, you read all the Psalms. Most of the Psalms that David wrote were in that time, you know, of being absolutely victimized. Um, and he just appeals to God. He's like, God, break their teeth. You know, God, yeah. you will take yeah. me in, you know. And um, and it says even in his like worst days, you know, there was a time where, where he, you know, his band of merry men were were out, and then they came back, and and their camp was raided, and their wives were stolen, and it's like that's abject despair. That's like terrible stuff. And it says it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And um, man, how powerful is that? You know, you know, so often we get down and despair. I often, you know, <clears throat> you'll you'll read your feed. And you'll get discouraged you'll have despair and it's like we cannot sit in our in our discouragement and our despair we cannot sit in our victimhood we cannot sit in our bad things that happen to us because like you know every single person on earth will have trouble every man will have trouble and we look at these guys who who seemingly have great and wonderful lives even they have trouble you know and we have to get to this place of encouraging ourselves in the lord no one's going to do it for you like of course you can go and and and, you know, call a friend up. And it's great to do this. It's great to have a brother that you can call a guy up and be like, hey, man, you know, uh, just struggling with some stuff and chat through it. That's wonderful. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You have to be a man after God's heart. You have to take God at his word, even when all the circumstances are gone to crap. So <clears throat> that's just where I'm at right now in, in, in my kind of journey with the Lord is... For, for many of us men of the West, we are we are in Abraham and David and Joseph's tough spot, cyclically, if you want to call it that, you know, as a, as a civilizational cycle. But also in our own personal lives, you know, for many of us, uh, you know, we have relational problems, financial problems, uh, health problems. Name your name, your crap that you're going through. But we don't have to go and seek pity. We don't have to go <clears throat> and tell everyone our problems. It's exactly the opposite. We have to realize that that we have a, a king who is expecting us to act in a kingly way. So it's like, okay, like, you know, that classic Sam Hyde thing where he's like, no, Ace, Hitler wants me. <laughs> I'll do anything for you, Hitler. <laughs> well, we have to do that with God, right? You know, it's like, no Ace. God wants to use me. You know, it's like, I'll be your top guy, God. You know, we literally, we have to get to that place, you know? Yeah. We have to get to that place and be like, "All right, Lord, like you expect of me, to take my little one coin, my little one talent, unbury it, and go and crush. Like go and and give my gift as unto the Lord." And that's where life gets exciting, man. Life gets so exciting. You know, Proverbs says, "A man makes a plan in his heart; the Lord directs his steps." And it's like we've got longings in our heart, we've got desires and and plans in our heart that that God has, you know, created us with. And it's like, we need to actually start making plans to go and crush as unto the Lord. We need to make plans to go give our gift as unto the Lord. We need to make plans to go and be a king and not not go plant a church and go start a ministry. Like few guys are actually called to be pastors. You know, I'd say like less than 10% of dudes are actually meant to be pastors. For the rest of us, 90% of dudes, there's so many things that require Christian men to go and crush. You know, go into government, go into media, go into academia, go and start a business, go and work some crazy product or service or trade, like go farm some land, go. You know, there's so many things that that Christian men have a desire to do. That is, it's like, go do it as unto the Lord.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Praise God. That's my testimony.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So true. Like, every single point is so true. It's tough not to be in our culture, in America, like, as with, like, fellowshipping with Christians, and you're just sitting there listening to what you're talking about, like this victimhood. Like, oh, man, times are getting so tough. Oh, yep. Disney's coming <laughs> after our kids. Oh, Dr. Joe Biden did something. Oh, oh, horrible, horrible. Oh, Ukraine. Like, just yeah. anything in the world that's happening is like despair, despair, despair. And it's like, guys, we have victory. Guys, our eternity yeah. is going to be amazing. Like, And so exactly. then I'm the crazy one because I'm always like upbeat and positive and looking at like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's some war in Ukraine. Who cares, dude? Like, yeah. I just got a new job and it's dope.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. I'm cr- man, I'm to
0: cr- like I just learned a new thing, exactly. man. And the, everyone's yeah. like, wait, what? You're not like sad about Ukraine. It's like, not at all. <laughs> 0%. Yeah. I could care less. And that's like, Oh, you exactly. monster. You don't care about, <laughs> people. you're not sad and, and angry and upset at Putin. And you don't have sympathy for these people. It's like, yeah, like, I would hope, I, I don't want war to happen, that's horrible, but, yeah. like, you can't linger in that. You can't, like, nah. obsess over the despair of someone else, you know? Nah. You have to be exactly. crushing, like you said. Like, you, we have so yeah. much to do, and it's all amazing, even the even the hard yeah. times and the struggles. Like, it is a truly amazing. Like, what better time to be alive than, you know, yeah. the, the cycle, the strong men make good times, good times make weak men. Yeah. Clearly, we're in the weak men make making hard times stage. Yeah. Like, yeah. People are like, "Oh man, this sucks." I'm like, "Dude, this is great." What a time <laughs> we, to be alive! We have the opportunity yeah. to like push through this and be the strong men that exactly like, get through this and overcome this and rebuild things, pick up the pieces and fight through the battles. You know. Yeah. And like you said, like it's a David, scale. Would anyone know who David is if he didn't have to fight battles to get who he was? Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> if he didn't have a Goliath in, in front of him, would we even know yep. who David is? You know, it's like oh, it's you can be scared of, of, scared of all you want, but Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of an honor to be the one that takes them down and fights that battle.
1: Yeah, it's exactly like you say, man. It's a scale of authority of like, what is the thing that's in front of us that we do have authority over? That's what we need to focus on, yeah. you know? Because is, is it tragic that there's a war in Ukraine? Yes. Is it tragic that there's little African children with flies on their lips? Yes. Is it tragic that, you know, name your million different tragic stories. Are any of them under my authority? No. So therefore, I actually don't feel bad. Like, you know, and that that sounds kind of like rude and harsh to people. But it's like, chaps, like I have zero authority uh, to change anything in Ukraine, to change anything in Africa, to change anything in D.C., in Israel. Like, I have zero authority there. But what I do have authority over is my family. What I do have authority over is my economy, my local area, my institutions, my community. Like, those are all things that are... Are changeable and actionable by me. And so what news is, news is just global, 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 above your scale, above your scale. And so when you go around and you, you're listening to all these dudes tell their sob stories, it's like, mate, you're you're you care about things that you, you don't have control over, and you're you're being uh, distracted from the things you do have control over. You know, it's like focus on your kids, focus on your marriage, focus on your your business, like and then life gets amazing because it's like oh I can actually zone everything out. Like I can zone everything else out and life's actually pretty amazing. And even when there are problems, the problems are here. And it's like, that's where we cry out to God of like, you know, if you're having relational problems or health problems or financial problems, it's like, Oh God, like help me be here, you know, but it's like, you're not crying out because Africa is starved. Like, You know, none of that makes sense, you know, whereas everything makes sense when you when you come back to your local area, like the Russians, they have their own patriarchs. They have their own kings that can pray and cry to God for them. The Africans have their own patriarchs, their own kings that can pray and cry out to God for them. But you know who who has a patriarch that's not crying out? Your people like your children (laughs) are missing out because their dad is caring more about Russian and African children. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Like you cry out for your people, you know. Yeah. It's so
0: true. So true. What kind of leads me to my next, my next questions I had for you is uh, are you winning son? (laughs) And how do we win?
1: Yeah. You know, I I love that meme, you know, with that cartoon (laughs) stick dad, coming. are you winning son? (laughs) And again, that, that comes back to our, our, that heart desire, you know, that, that, that father wound uh, for the West. All we want is a father, you know, who comes in and is like, are you winning, son? And then just to be able to say like, yeah, dad, I'm winning. And then we're like, oh, dad. wonderful. Like, yeah, we just dad, want thanks, a dad. Thanks, because of yeah, you. Yeah, I'm dad. Like, Thank you. Yeah. We just want a dad who's interested in our in our hobby, in our passion. Yeah. And the great truth is that is God. Like, God is is yeah. interested in our little life. God is interested in our insignificant little hobby, passion, mission, domain, whatever you you want to call it. And what becomes so um, I- empowering for us, you know, because because the West, we're living in a time of severe nihilism. Like that liberalism, uh, it it gives us a worldview of nihilism. So nihilism, you know, nothing matters. There's no point. There's no inherent meaning to life. You know, we're all just uh, amoeba, uh, evol- evolved amoeba, and there's no afterlife and there's no God. You know, so what is the point of all of this life? And we don't believe in marriage. We don't believe in family. We don't believe in gender. Like there's no or gender roles. There's no purpose. So there's no point and there's no purpose. That's nihilism. And our our liberal, you know, we are born into that. We're born into this liberal worldview. And so our problem right now, you know, as Christian men, we're like, okay, wait, like I reject all that. I reject nihilism. I reject that premise. I know God is real. I know that his worldview for me. Uh, you know, I, I want to live Christendom. I want to, you know, God, your kingdom come on Earth as it is in heaven. You know, that that's winning. That's our kind of mandate. That's our 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 mission is God's kingdom come on Earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> so how do I do that? All right, Lord, I want to play the game. I, I want to get in the game. How do I score the goals? And I think you know it's kind of three layers. You know, number one has to come to family. Family is the basic building block of civilization. Family is the building block of Earth of creation. You know, God uh, uh, announces Himself as Father, and um, and then Adam and Eve. It's it's a marriage. It's the first marriage uh, in the garden, and they are given the command to be fruitful and multiply, and then go and subdue the Earth, do, create dominion, create kingdom, uh, God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> and so for us as Christians, that's our first kind of general purpose, our first kind of general point of meaning. You know, what's the point of life? It's like, well, son, get married and have a family. Um, and that's a great, you know, point for for young men is like, in order to get married, I need to be high status. I need to, you know, and, and this is, it's a great kind of, you know, I had to go and read you know, all of the, the, the red pill and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, what do you call those kind of, um, the manosphere, say, kind of the manosphere thank you, know. you. The manosphere blogs and all that kind of stuff. And that's all like natural law. It's like, it's like what they are, what they are documenting there is just natural law. But unfortunately it's not from a patriarchal Christian view. It's from an individualistic nihilist yeah. view, you know, so it's all true. All the diagnosis is true yeah. and it's phenomenal stuff. <clears throat> we, we would do well to study it. But we need to study it from the view of a patriarchal Christian uh, Purpose a patriarchal Christian worldview rather than a nihilistic individualist. I'm just here to consume as many women as I can and so when you start reading all of that that kind of uh, Sexual market value stuff. It's very valuable men Create value by going hard after a mission, you know having confidence building strength building courage building mastery that's how we That's how we elevate and honor amongst other men. That's how we get more status. Women have status by how beautiful they are, by how helpful they are, and by how obedient they are. So we kind of, you know, men want the most beautiful woman that they can uh, exchange for, you know, like, hey, here's how strong and courageous and masterful I am. And you're kind of beautiful. Would Would you trade your beauty and marry me? excuse me, got that koof. And, um, you know, would you make an exchange? Would you make a trade and marry me and we will build a life together? We will build a family together. You'll be my helpmate as I pursue my domain, my gift, whatever my work is. And so we've been, that liberalism hates sexual market value. It hates the realism of masculine and feminine polarity, of masculine roles, of feminine roles. It hates that. And so what it does is it tells girls, Oh, no, you need to become a man. You need to go to college. You need to go become strong, independent woman, which is the opposite of beautiful, helpful, and obedient. You know, and then it tells the men, men, you need to serve the woman. You need to become a servant leader. Yeah. You need Worshipper. to be a, a good boy. <laughs> and exactly. And what does that do? It makes a man weak, uh, incompetent. Thank you, baby. It makes a man weak, incompetent, and, uh, and, uh, and cowardly. You know, because we we are we're totally um inverting the two feminine and masculine poles, you know. So the first thing for, for men, how do we win? As as Christian men, it's like we need to become strong and courageous and masterful at whatever your work is, whatever your domain you think God is calling you to. And by doing that, you can then look back and have a bunch of, of young ladies, hopefully, who are virtuous and, and pretty and and helpful. And you need to marry one, you know, you, you want to marry a young lady and she'll become your helpmeet on your mission, on your work and, you know, be fruitful and multiple. have as many children as God will give you, praise God, you know? And so that's, that's number one way to win. The number two way to win is then, you know, well, within that, you then don't want to farm your wife out to other men. You don't want to farm your wife out to go be a helpmeet to a corporation. Yeah. You don't want to farm your children out to go and be fathered by a bunch of, crazy liberal school teachers who hate you and hate your god you know so you you want your wife working for your mission you want your wife working for your household you want your children under your uh leadership under your indoctrination under your curriculum you know and then uh then the, the next kind of scale in that of how to win is local economy so so the first scale is is patriarchal family we want to build a patriarchal family every young guy should be one of the, my, my chief purposes in life is to build a patriarchal family, to become a patriarch. Number two is to build my local economy. Um, what really got me into this was Wendell Berry, the, the Kentucky author. He, he writes extensively on localism, but basically the love of your people and the love of your place. And, you know, the, the big idea here is that as Christians, we are to create an Eden in the chaos and the ruins of clown world. You know, where we live should be different. You know, yeah. you, you look at like Baltimore and New York and L.A. It's like those are all like hell holes. You know, <laughs> Haiti, <laughs> South Africa, you know, name, <laughs> name your hellhole. A hell hole is how it is because of its patriarchs, because of its men. The men of a place determine the environment yeah. of the place absolutely you know and so we should be determining our we should be the greatest determining factor on our land that we own you know so your little plot of land even if you're i'm i'm renting right now it's like okay this i'm i'm the steward of this little piece of land our little neighborhood of 40 houses or whatever i want to be a blessing and influence on this neighborhood yeah our town of 3000 people that i live outside of like I want to be a, a influence on this town and how do you do that it's not by thoughts and prayers and yard signs <clears throat> it's by business money is the number one influence in a local areas everything politics social life you know for, for most people you want your children to stay around you how do you do that well they need a job otherwise they go off to the city to go find a job so you don't keep your your youngsters you don't keep your generational growth you know most people want nice neighbors well how do you have nice neighbors they need to have nice jobs so they can afford to not you know the number one breakdown of marriages is financial problems so if you don't want violent and poor neighbors you need a local economy you know so it's very important how does a local economy work number one we need to buy from each other we need a shop from our neighbors from our you know our small town mom and pop shops and not walmart and starbucks and mcdonald's and kroger you know of course if you need to get something like don't be a legalist stupid about it like sure you know if you need something go buy it but where you can buy from your neighbors buy from your town folk you know buy from your tribe you know you guys in the bear community have have it down pat like buy from your people because you love your people you want your people to be wealthy you want your people to have success so local economy is a huge thing you know um you know and this ties into the whole homesteading thing as well like you want to try and grow your own food if you can and if not meet local farmers go to the local farmers market and support those who do you want to um you want to be uncancelable. you want to be unsee. you know right now the elites you know the whatever your whatever your conception of the kind of financial elite or the cabal or the bankers or the politicians whatever you want to call them their whole war right now is against Christian middle-class families, you know, they are besieging. The lockdowns were a siege on Christian middle-class yeah. families.
2: Absolutely.
1: How long can you survive a siege? That's what you need to be thinking of in your local economy. You know, my own food stocks, my own water, my own waste uh, system, my own energy. And then for my neighbors and stuff, you know, how resilient is our little local economy to being besieged by these big corporations? Um, <clears throat> and so that's the local economy side. And, we, you know, there's there's things you can move to very practically there. And then the third scale there is tribal institutions, right? So we, again, with liberalism, we're very individualized. You know, the, the closest thing we have to tribalism is like sports teams or <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's about it really, um, but but we are we are God created us to be tribal. What does that mean? It means it means my family, a group of other families. Our children will marry each other. We are very interested in these other families' success. We are very interested in these other families' yeah. values and where they live and how they live. <clears throat> and so, you know, for instance, like with the Bear Community, uh, with Nick Fuentes, with. Uh, Uh, Gavin like you 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 can you can name a lot of kind of media influence influential guys who kind of have raised a flag and then a a tribe kind of uh, builds around them of like yes we all have the same values we all want to see the same vision we have a positive vision Uh, and even to the extent that we'd all like to kind of live around each other if that's possible and we'd like all our children to marry each other if that's possible what you are seeing is the formation of a tribe That's a good thing. Tribes have leadership. Tribes have institutions. And so what we see, so with America, America was founded by tribes. You know, the Puritans were a tribe, if you want to call it that. There was like 120 families, you know, and half of them died and then half of them lived and carried on and more people came. But that tribe had very specific interests, very specific values that all their institutions that they built served their people. You know, they didn't build... Uh, Harvard to train the Indians in, you know, economics and maritime law. They built Harvard as a Bible college for their people so that their people might be saved and come to the knowledge of the Lord. That's why they started that institution. You know, they didn't start um, a sheriff system, uh, you know, to <clears throat> to bless uh, the slaves down in in Georgia, you know, it's like, no, they started a sheriff system to keep law and order in their little community in Massachusetts. Like, you know, we have to understand what is our tribes area? Who are our tribes people? What are our tribes values and interests? Every institution we build is to serve those people, that place, those interests. And then we need to build those institutions, you know, cause right now we think, Oh, the, the, the police are our guys, the education system are our guys. America is our guys. It's <laughs> like, no chaps, like those institutions are all enemy run. Like they've been subverted by other tribes. They are now yeah. controlled by other people, other tribes, other powers. They don't care about your interests. They don't care about your people. They don't care about your place. Yeah. You have to build institutions that do that. And the reason we have to do that is because individuals always lose against institutions. So on the right or conservatives or Christians, whatever you want to kind of identify as, we're so good at, 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 hey, you guys do what you want to do. Just leave me alone. Like as long as you leave me alone, you know, libertarian one-on-one, you know, and it's like, and then we go in, we complain and we outrage, but as individuals, you know, like how dare CNN do this? How dare, you know, name your outrage, but it's always like one individual guy or, or thousands of individual guys throwing little pebbles at big institutions. The institution doesn't care, the institution yeah. wins. The way you, you do this, an institution has to fight an institution. Or better yet, your institutions need to go and fight their individuals. That's how you win. Yeah. So we need yeah. to build institutions, media institutions, churches, businesses, banks, um, uh, Or uh, what do you call those things? Um, nonprofit organizations, you know, all of these sort of uh, associations and networks and things like that. We need those for our people because those are the things, you know, when we talk about NPCs, non-player characters like normies, why are they normies? It's because they follow the cultural norms of the most powerful institution in their life. So majority of people watch TV, the most important, the most powerful institution in their life is the mainstream media. Why is it powerful? Because it can come and destroy them and they know that like oh if you say the the r word or the n word or the the say the wrong thing or like cnn will come to your house and destroy you and they know it you know because cnn has demonstrated that so they toe the line and they follow the mainstream news they are normies because they follow the cultural norms <clears throat> so we have to fight not against the normies you know because we get so angry at the normies we we get like you, you retards, you know, like, can you not think for yourself? Yeah. And it's like,
2: they,
1: yeah. you know, it's not their fault. They're just drones. They're, they're following the power, you know? So we need to build power so that we can capture as many normies onto our side as possible. You know, I'm telling you now, if you had a huge media organization, a huge financial organization, a huge political organization, and a huge uh, ministry church organization, and you all started going... On one narrative and going hard at it and rewarding those who followed it and punishing those who didn't very quickly you'd have tons of normies just flocking in and being like oh yeah we've always believed this we've always believed this because (laughs) they they just follow power and that's okay it just means that we have to build powerful institutions we have to build institutions for our people and then wield it and not just be libertarians you know just like oh well you do you and it's like no they're gonna do them and then come and kill you you know it's like (laughs) we need you know so that's the third aspect of of are you winning is like are you building some sort of tribal institution just with two or three other guys you know two or three dudes in a basement is an institution you know, it's like Snopes fact checking. It's like some pedophile on a couch somewhere, you know, <laughs> from what I said allegedly. You know. Like, you know, you, you need this kind of you need this kind of bravado of being two dudes who like who have an idea. Like, hey man, let's go buy buy a business together, let's start a media thing together, let's do some ministry thing together, let's do some government, you know, let's run for office together or let's like two dudes. Forming a group, forming something that is not their individual names, that's an institution. And that's how you start winning power.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, you mentioned the bears. It's like the bears have gotten so powerful by basically just not wanting power <laughs> Yeah. in a weird inverse way, but it's everything you're, it's like the epitome of what you're talking about. It's like in group preference, us, let's focus on us. Let's yeah, we all live in different states and different countries, but we're still connected with this, our cell phones and our computer screens or whatever. And you can complain about how evil and how led astray you can be with these screens. It can also like interconnect you with people who share your values, share your faith, share your goals. You know, you potentially could move to the same area, like making plans with each other to do that. Um, But it's just giant interconnected group of like-minded people like who like you said like have formed a tribe and that tribe oh. has become so powerful and there's no breaking it apart like at yeah, this yeah nothing can really break it apart and that's a great exactly. example for like everyone to follow like the, my big complaint about the america first people is uh <laughs> oh yeah
1: out of honor for the bears <laughs> I, have, I have
0: decided. i'm wearing a shirt too like a uh, bear shirt I don't know if you can see it but it's my friend's company mountain folk not a bear but it's a, it is a bear shirt but my big complaint with american first people is that they're not really doing that and i hope it's yet i'm cheering you know yeah. like my complaint yeah. is like as of right now because i really want to yeah. see all these young men who are on it they're with it they're fired up yeah. they want to make change and really all i see at this point is just complaints it's just a a tribe that is formed that basically is identified by complaining about the other side and they're focusing too high right and it's like well hey let's harness this energy into getting families (laughs) making families becoming good good true men of character men of honor and let's really focus on what you're talking about like our community Yeah, America First is an American movement. It's not going to be Missouri. But it has to (laughs) Centrally localized in one physical community. Like the idea in and of itself is like very broad, connected by screens and whatnot. But if their goal really shifts to being like, let's make meaningful change in our own lives collectively and also individually, like in our own little gardens scattered across the country, like it will turn into one of the most powerful things ever. But if they just yeah. kind of focus a, on, There is no
1: political that's... solution. You know, there is no yeah. political solution. We're yeah. not voting our way out of this rot and decline. Yeah. And so that's it. You know, you have a bunch of these dudes who are energized politically. You know, the the, the political nationalist talking points are wonderful to energize people and to collect uh, a following of people who are, are energized. But then they have to go practical. Exactly that. They have yeah. to build family. They have exactly. to build economy. They have to build institutions. And then one day, like, <clears throat> you know, you either go neo-Amish where like you don't care about uh you know trying to fight people for the other institutions because you've got your own or you know you become so powerful that you know you you go and take over those institutions or you you fight those other institutions into obscurity you know but it's like it doesn't happen by by focusing on voting on voting on voting it's like you got to vote harder you got to vote harder (laughs) you know it's the same thing like i said exactly it's the same thing i said like right in the beginning with my testimony of like placing this desire and expectation for a father onto a pastor you're going to be disappointed every time because he's just a man he's just an ordinary dude who's got his own problems he's got his own heart issues he you know he he's not god he's not going to solve all your problems he's not going to make you feel wonderful it's the same thing in politics now it's just all grown men and it's like donald will you bring me a unicorn and read me bedtime stories like you know because that was me like i felt it right 2016 we were riding the train like this guy is gonna solve all our problems this guy is gonna save us and it's like chaps you know god bless donald and, and god bless everything that happened in in 2016 and stuff but it's like it's all useless without the people doing the stuff themselves you know so nick nick fuentes can declare himself caesar and and god bless him like if he goes hard and and takes you know takes the political uh uh route and and becomes powerful in politics like god bless him mm-hmm. but if the millions of groypers in america first boys all stay as single degenerate uh nihilistic individualistic liberal uh civic nationalists th- there is no political solution it doesn't matter how strong and great your leader is yeah. if the people are all you know just blowing their lives out on nihilism
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah i heard someone a friend of mine in my real life explained that um it's a profound point i've kind of been lingering on and trying to like interject into conversations and it's kind of a simple thought but it's like in the last 50 years so since 1970 we've had 10 presidents, right? And all of them have been Christians. And you can question that, you know, there's various denominations and whatever. You can argue that maybe they're just saying that, but it, they're telling you they're Christians and they kind of generally act like Christians. And in those 50 years, like has our country gotten more Christian or less Christian? Like I'm going to say less. <laughs> yeah. If it's not obvious to you guys out there. Yeah. And then and then you know same same thought like out of those 10 presidents six of them six or seven i think it might be six were conservatives and like has our country gotten more conservative in the last 50 years so we've been winning quote unquote like look at the last 50 years we've had christians and conservatives in power and the highest power you know the quote unquote the most powerful man in the world and you know whatever that's a whole other debate yeah. of who actually holds that power and wields that power and if he's a puppet or not or whatever but if that's your goal, like we're going to elect our guy and he's going to fix things and we're going to get a Christian conservative in there and he's going to make this country Christian and conservative again. It's like, well, it hasn't happened for the last 50 years. Yep. <laughs> so this idea of like, like, just keep waiting. You don't do anything. Just keep waiting. We're going to yep. get our guy in there eventually, someday, hopefully. And then he's going to make a change. And it's like if all that even does happen, the change isn't going to happen. It's been happening for no. 50 years. It's not going to happen for 2 years from now, 4 years from now. Yeah. And like you said, like we need to be focusing that energy, that power on fixing our lives, on making meaningful change in ourselves, our families, our communities, and our churches. We can't just yeah. keep going that, like Donald Trump's going to save us. Ron yeah. DeSantis and is going to save Luke us. Was. Insert name here, exactly. he is going to save us. It's like no, you are going to save you. You are yeah, going to save That's where local is so
1: powerful. You know because they have a different they have a different mandate their their mandate is to destroy it's not to create so you know people could argue it's easier to be a liberal because all you have to do is destroy you don't have to create but even then the liberals are far more faithful they're far more faithful to their vision they're far more faithful to their principles you know they they they, act. they understand yeah they act so it's like okay my my role as a liberal is to destroy everything that's good and beautiful and true. It's to destroy everything that resembles God It's to destroy anything that resembles hierarchy It's to destroy anything that resembles honor and glory and beauty. So I know I can't do that in Washington DC because I'm just some, you know, lowly blue hair in Minnesota. I know I can't do that in, you know, so, so what do they do? They're like, well, I work at this company. I'm going to start filing HR complaints. I'm going to start sabotaging. And it's like, they work where they are, you know, they, they are incredibly good at destroying where they are. They're, they're phenomenal at it. And then they get promoted. So then they destroy where they are and they get promoted and they destroy where they are. We have to learn from them, copy their homework, but instead of destroy, it's create, we need to create where we are. We need to create where we are. And when God promotes you, then you create where you are. You know, it's, it's an incredible, uh, Affliction on us is that we expect the top guy to create and for us just to consume, you know So maybe that's you know, you have destroy consume create, you know Conservatives well, we don't destroy things we we, but we just consume, you know, and it's like no we need to start creating You know, it's both and like you do need political leaders to some extent like praise God for local dudes Who are running and doing stuff like carry on? But we need to match them. we need to the the bigger power needs to become from from family men, from patriarchal Christian men, creating where they are.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. It's like we keep hitting the pause button. We keep hitting the pause button, act like, well, they're trying to destroy, so we'll just stop them from destroying. It's like, or you could focus your energy on building, (laughs) rebuilding, or building so much and so great that they can't even destroy it. As they're exactly. pulling the bricks down of the building, you're like onto the yep. next building, just building it higher, yep. building it. And every
1: higher. time you you find a destroyer, you you exclude them, you kick them out, yeah. you you don't tolerate, you you don't give them a voice, you don't give them a vote, like out, straight yeah. to jail, gone. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And you know, I love the just such a powerful, simple phrase from Owen Benjamin is like, um, you know, the, the conservatives couldn't conserve the female bathroom. That yeah. little phrase alone is, like, so mind-blowingly powerful. Like, yeah, fact. I mean, like, yeah. stop to consider it. Like, just something so simple but something so meaningful was they took the female bathroom from us.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we didn't and do anything normal. about it. We complained about it on Twitter. And we gave Outrage. it. And now we don't have a female bathroom anymore. And we're still just complaining about it. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. When are we going to put our foot down and say, no, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> this is not going to happen we will not allow yeah. this like we keep kind of acting like we type something on twitter like america will never be a socialist nation and then in 10 years it's like oh man i'm so mad that america's a socialist nation i tried so hard yeah. by tweeting about it you know it's like or you could put your foot down right now stop yeah. tweeting about it and stop yeah. it from happening like stop yeah. evil in its tracks right now yeah or build your way out of it be like okay like yeah you can go to it it's like, in Washington it's like dc and we're exactly. gonna build actual like meaningful. exactly this is a great
1: like practical thing because it's like let's take this female bathrooms thing it's like well what can i this, this man on the street do and it's like well in your family you teach your daughters yeah. about gender roles you teach your daughters like no you're not you're not a boy you're not you don't you don't have boys come into your private room or your you know it's like you you know if anyone Uh, tries to hurt you or touch you, it's like, we kill them. You know, you teach appropriate boundaries in your family. Then you don't allow your family to go where these, you know, it's like, you don't send your to a school that's gender binary neutral or whatever. <clears throat> you don't send your daughter to events that celebrate these things. It's like, no, we don't go there. And so you are taking action. And then in your business, if your business has bathrooms, you don't do this. You know, nope, we don't do this in our in our business. And it's like, well, what if we get sued? And it's like, well, now we're in tribal institution building. Now you start, you know, where's our ADL? Where's our litigation institution that that fights for small business rights and and for you know all this stuff? Like now we're fighting now we're fighting you know and so yeah it's, it's incredibly exciting when you take it on you like what can i do to push back and to build and to exclude the destroyers
0: absolutely that's why gab has been so great and like you said like that's why it should be supported it's like they don't have that victim mentality they don't have that like give up mentality they're like we're gonna build an alternative oh you're gonna kick us off paypal all right we'll make our own payment processing system Oh, you're gonna cancel yep. everyone's servers? Okay, well, literally, we'll buy our own servers. <laughs> yep. Good luck shutting down our servers, you know. And that's yep. that's the mentality, like you're saying, is what needs to happen. Like, oh, you're gonna cancel me? Well, I'm uncancelable. I'm gonna go make my yep. own platform. I'm gonna go do my own thing, you know. Good luck. Yeah, you deleted me on Twitter six times. Well, I'm on Gab. I'm on Getter. I'm on Discord. Yep. <laughs> I'm on. And when those places kick me off, I'll find another. Or I'll eventually. I'll get kicked
1: off. I'll go to a pub. To build my own, you know. He'll um, go to a pub. Yeah, <laughs> and there'll be a bunch of dudes. Like, all right, yeah. guys. Stay on A live the stream corner, is yeah. literally live.
0: Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. And That's. I mean, that's. Yeah, the, he'll be on the street handing
1: out pamphlets. Like, Hey, I hand wrote these pamphlets. It's actually my sweet tweets, handwritten. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here's a like button. You can... <laughs> fortune Here you go. Have like an unvote, downvote button that you can hold yeah. out. Like, do you like
0: this or to hate this? Oh yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> Stand with a whiteboard at like a at a traffic light with a whiteboard, just like writing tweets <laughs> and like holding it up
0: in the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is, I mean, honk you everything you're saying. you want to like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honk if you like Everything you're saying is so great, man. I can just keep listening to you for hours. Like, and that is true. Like, like, are you winning, son? It's like, yeah, if you choose to. Or are you giving up? Yep. Then no, you're not yep. winning, son. Then that meme turns dark really yep. fast, you know? Yep. Or are you winning, son? Yes, because I'm full of love. Yep. I'm full of hope. I'm full of faith, you know? And no matter yep. what is thrown my way, I'll find a solution. I'll fight my way out of it. I'll keep building. They keep destroying and I've got everything a father who building
1: yeah. exactly. I've got a father who's interested in how I deal with those desert times. you know with with Joseph he was in slavery for like something like 14 years and then he was in prison for I don't know a couple of years however long his prison was. Um, and in all of that time you know he kept faith in the dream that God had given him. Uh, same with David. you know David was how many years in the desert I think it was also it's like 10 or 14 years in the desert. And in all that time, like he kept faith in the promise, in the anointing that he would be king. Um, In uh, Deuteronomy 8, I think, it says that God took Israel through the desert to test them, you know, to test their heart. Because he was bringing them into a good land, into a fruitful land, into a land of milk and honey with houses that they did not build and wells that they did not dig. In other words, he was bringing them into a, a vision, bringing them into a dream, you know. But he first wanted to take them through a desert time. He first wanted to take them through a time of preparation. You know, so many of us, when we go through hard times, we're like, oh, this sucks. You know, like yeah. God has forgotten me. Uh, you know, God hates me, all this stuff. And it's like, no, like this is gym. Like this is leg day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the whole thing of, you know, if David had gone straight to the palace and become king, like he would never have known, you know, what he could do with no resources and his back against the wall and who his guys were because everyone would have been butt kissing him. You know, all the dudes would have been butt kissing him. Uh, but because he was in the desert, like he was ride or die with those guys because he had nothing and they still came and said, you're, you're my captain now. And he's like, fine, I'm your captain now. So he, God is preparing for him, dudes who he could trust for the rest of his life, you know, but instead if he had gone straight to the palace, like there would have been all these little butt kiss douchebags, you know, it's like, it's this whole idea for us that like any suffering is bad or any suffering is God leaving us. And it's like, no chaps, like God see Matthew six verse six, God sees you in secret. He will reward you openly. Just keep your heart to God. You know, keep, keep your, be, keep being a man after God's heart. <clears throat> it's okay to cry. It's okay to, uh, you know, to like, man, this sucks. Like, that's okay. Just do it to God. Like God, this sucks. <laughs> you know, that, that was David in the Psalms of like, god this sucks like please help you know crying out to god not to all of his dudes not to his wife not to social media not to you know there's going to be times where it's like life sucks the world sucks everything sucks but it's like can we keep being a man off to god's heart and being like lord i don't know what's going on i don't know why i'm in slavery why i'm in prison why i'm in the desert whatever it is in your life but it's like I know that you're going to bring me into the promised land you're going to bring me into whatever it is you have for me i trust in you please help you know that's 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 what we need to get get to you know
0: yeah absolutely yeah when you touched on this i'm going to bring it up on the screen so the audio listeners and you unfortunately can't see it but you've posted it on your page a couple times it's the scale of purpose and belonging and you touched on it and it leads perfectly into this because it's like as you can see here again audio listeners you can't you can't see it but if you go to scott's instagram page and scroll back a little bit you can see him i think you posted a couple times yeah and it's so great and your explanations of it are so amazing too um just of the exactly like what do you what is your purpose and where do you belong and where should your focus lie and where should it not lie right it should not yeah. lie on the global, the empire, it, and it, you know, it should not lie on what you're talking about, like that individualistic, like nihilism, like, woe yeah. is me, things in my life are horrible, and, you know, this this area in the middle where, you're, where you are to spend your focus on, where you are to put your energy in, is your family, your, your local yeah. economy, your tribal institutions, and the Christian nation, you know? And it's yeah. kind of exactly like, it's the perfect summary of everything we've been talking about, and just everything you explained so well on your own streams and on your own page. Um, and I just want to ask you, like, could you just kind of, I mean, you have been talking about it, but do you want to just like explain what your thoughts are on it? Yeah I, I
1: think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think as men, you know, what is the number one kind of question on our, on our hearts? Like for every man is like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I doing here? You know, what, what, you know, we have this, we have this freakishly, heavy fear of missing out of being sidelined by god or you know never never ever you know hitting our purpose or being who god made us to be and i think a part of that meme you know is that we need to be uh our success is like donald trump or uh you know name your celebrity you know whatever your domain is so so Just quickly, when I talk about domains, you know, of like, there's the ministry domain, academia, media, economy, government, like there's all these different types of domains that are all equally important to God that are all very different kinds of work. And what we often do, you know, whatever domain you're in, so like you and you and I, Sean, are are very much in the media domain, right? We create media, we want to influence people, we want to create a positive vision, we want to encourage people. What we do is we we go find someone who's a great success in the media domain like Ben Shapiro, you know, <laughs> like, wow, Ben, he's so successful. He has a million viewers and birch gold. He has so much birch gold and sweet birch gold. And we're like, that is a success. You know, he's a great success. And we compare uh, them to us. And we're like, man, I suck. I'm a failure. I don't have a million subscribers. I don't have sweet birch gold. But what, what we see um, taught by, by Jesus is, is different scales, you know? So some men are 10 talent men. Some men are one talent men. It doesn't matter what God has gifted you with talent wise. Like if you're a one talent man, don't bury it. Go give it. You know, that's all that God wants you to do is whatever your talent is, whatever your scale right now, God may crazily promote you one day. Who knows? or he may keep you hidden and niche or whatever, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you go give your gift, go work the work that God has put on your heart to work. So, so saying all of that, we come back to the scale of meaning where so many of us, because of liberalism, because we're born into liberalism, we are nihilistic. There's no point. There's no God. There's no, there's no purpose in this life other than pleasure, uh, other than, Uh, you know, yeah, seeking, seeking pleasure and self, you know, and because, because that's getting harder in a, in the, in the cycle, civilizational cycle, you know, the boomers, it was so easy to find pleasure. It was so easy to find riches and wealth and fame and, you know, enjoy enjoyment, comfort, you know, for us, it's getting harder. So what nihilism leads to in our society, in our generation is despair, you know, so we start despairing because we can't achieve self-pleasure we can't achieve comfort so we start despairing and then you want to escape so escapism you know we we go into computer games alcohol sugar porn gambling uh name your escape whatever you use to escape because we're escaping nihilism we're escaping despair you know and uh, the ultimate escape is suicide and that's where we see this crazy you know thing of suicide who is suicide (coughs) Uh, excuse me who is suicide a the who is the major demographic of suicide it's men in the prime of their fighting age you know it's 16 years to 40 or 16 to 36 if you want to make it cool that is the prime age of suicide and so for us it's like what is the problem here lord the problem is we are we are individualistic and we're nihilistic. And so we want to kind of bump up those scales and be like, no chaps, there is a very easy scale to follow that will give you a general purpose. It'll give you a general meaning. And so, you know, family, local economy, uh, tribal institutions and Christian nations are the healthy scale of how do we find meaning in life? We work our gift in these things. We work our gift toward the interests of these things. So be a warrior, be a patriarch, be a king for your family, for your local economy, for your tribe, for your nation. And you will find meaning. You will find purpose by giving your gift. So Proverbs 18 says, a man, uh, uh give your gift, sorry, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So by giving your gift, by giving your work, by giving your talent, it, God will make room for you and bring you before great men who are attempting great things. Like that's our desire is to be on a team is to be, is to be contributing on a team of men we respect and who respect me. And we're going to a- attempt things, you know, what a, what a like invigorating thing, you know, of, of giving your gift. And then lastly with that is sacrifice, right? Men are incredibly sacrificial, you know, sacrifice for your family, sacrifice for your children, sacrifice for your brothers, sacrifice for your, the memory of your fathers. <clears throat> what a what a wonderful thing to to be able to sacrifice for your family sacrifice for your your local area sacrifice for your tribe sacrifice for your nation and so you know this this desire to go out with all guns blazing do it for your family do it for your local area do it for your tribe do it for your nation you know what a what a great way to live you know And then with uh, with Empire and with globalism, the the last two on the on the scale there, So Empire is the desire to uh, to overstep your bounds of authority and subjugate other men, subjugate other people under your authority that are not yours yeah. to have authority over. And that's a, an incredible desire, you know, <clears throat> the desire for what is not ours. you know that that was Lucifer's mistake of like he desired the glory that was not his. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, uh, and that's our problem as men, you know, we can desire what other people, um, it's, it's not a, it's not a sin to desire. You know, you look at another man who's successful and he has a nice car. He has a nice nice house. He has a nice wife. He has a nice family. He has a nice job or business. Like praise God for him. You can, you can be encouraged by him. You can be like, God, what he has, I want, I desire the things that he has. That's a positive vision. God bless that man. But when we turn to um, covetousness, which is, I'm going to kill that man and take his car, take his house, take his wife, take his kids, take his job. That's where sin comes in. That is empire, right? Empire is to covet, is to to enact the taking of what is not yours. What is not yours to take. And then globalism, the, the problem with globalism is this. You know god wants the nations discipled so that means there are nations like hey all the nations are diverse and distinct and unique and wonderful so we should go and disciple all the nations discipling all the nations does not mean making them one nation you know like oh you're all christian nationalists that means christ is your nation it's like no no no. my nation like i'm an anglo you know specifically i'm an i'm an african anglo i'm married to a german american girl And it's like, those are distinct nations. You know, we have a cross-cultural relationship. (laughs) And it's like, I care very much for my nations. You know, I care very much for what my nation is doing. And I want my nation to be honoring to the Lord, my nation's institutions, my nation's people. Globalism says there are no nations. You know, Satan... He doesn't want the nations to be discipled. So how do you do that? Destroy the nations before they can be discipled. And globalism comes and says there are no such thing as specific and peculiar people and nations. There are no such things as borders and specific places. You're all just cogs in this banking machine. And we can move you around as cheap labor and consumers and economic zones. You know, so globalism has to be rejected, you know, and be like, no, we will not, we will not treat uh, some other place over there as if it was this place over here. Every place is is sacred and, and honoring and honorable. Every people group is sacred and honorable. And it's like, we don't have to uh, believe these lies of globalism that everything is just, you know, liberal uh, blob that can be interchanged. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so great. It's so great. And it's so crucial. You know, obviously no one's talking about it in the mainstream, but that's like you said, that's our job.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. People yeah. like us and then just individuals just on their individual page or in their individual conversations in real life, yeah. like embody that, live that out and spread it. And it will spread like wildfire because it is natural yeah. to us. It's so unnatural yeah. to be investing your time and energy in like what's happening in Syria or Ukraine or australia <laughs> you know unless you live there and unless, unless you are australian yeah, you are syrian exactly. like you are ukrainian exactly. but like it is so much more natural for us to be invested in our tribe our like, yeah, tending exactly. to our own garden and not focusing yeah. on energy on like the garden over there and like you said it's like so easy to like then keep drifting off into like this covetous covetous attitude of like that garden i want what he has i want to do that i want to go over there it's like yeah well you have responsibility right where you're standing yeah that's really good (laughs) yeah like like, get to it you gotta you gotta work that dirt with your hands you know (laughs) you can't keep focusing on what's over there and that's another thing we've kind of been touching on that like i've seen you like talk about a lot is mission And i wanted to ask you like you've kind of also just been kind of scraping the subject but could you explain mission and like why it's important
1: yeah i think as men you know that's our you know if you read uh i think it's um man what is it uh man there's a book um oh the way of the superior man by david data he's like some new agey kind of manosphere guy but he's got a great book he's got a great book yeah. And uh, he talks a lot about uh, the, the primacy for man is mission, is work, is fight. The primacy for woman is marriage, is relationship, is uh, uh, nurture. Yeah. And so that's really great when, when you see the polarity of masculine and feminine. Woman, their whole life is orientated toward finding a man, marrying him, having his children, and helping his household. Like that is the, the primacy, the, the number one problem for a woman in life. You know, and we're seeing that with our demographic cliff of 40-year-old cat ladies on <laughs> antidepressants and alcoholism. Because the number one problem, it doesn't matter how liberal you are, how educated and brainwashed you've been, how much sex in the city you've watched. When a girl hits 40 and has no husband and has no children, she is going to go into an existential crisis, because that is how God has wired her is, Hey, at the age of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you're at your highest value. You need to be trading these coins in for a husband. Likewise for a man, you know, if a man gets to 30 or 40 and doesn't have success in his domain, in his mission, he starts having an existential crisis. I'd even say it's earlier. You know, we, we've, I'm sure most of you, you know, from the age of 20, you're like, God, what the heck am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Why am I not succeeding? Why am I not, you know, and we look at guys like Justin Bieber and it's like, you know, he succeeded at the age of 20 or 18 or 16, however old he was. And, you know, you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Alexander the Great. And he was like, you know, 20 when he conquered the whole world. And like, you you, you know, you're like, oh, God, I'm 20 and I, I still live with my parents, you know, <laughs> and then you get to 30, you know, and you're like, God, I'm 30 and and whatever goals you've set for your life you know whatever picture you've set for your life if you haven't achieved it as men we start having an existential crisis yeah. we start you know we start drinking and antidepressants and computer games and porn and sugar and alcohol and yeah. because and we're suicide, trying to cover the and suicide yeah. yeah because our existential primacy is mission is what is the work of my hand what is my eden what is my uh thing that I'm building with and for the Lord. What is my thing that I'm fighting with and for the Lord? You know, that is our that is our heart's cry, you know. And so I think um I think for me the importance of mission, you know, and, and that's the the great popularity of, of Jordan Peterson when he first burst onto the scene, I don't know, five years ago, whenever it was, he was he was giving guy and God bless him. Like that was a wonderful time. I, I was fully caught up in in the lobster train. Um <laughs> yeah. he, uh, so. he was hitting on mission. He was hitting on meaning. He was hitting on purpose. He was hitting on the father wound. He was hitting on <clears throat> all of these things that are really good. But he stopped at clean your room. You know, he stopped at individualism. It's it's exactly like I said earlier about the red pill and the manosphere blogs. They all are 100% accurate. They're just coming from a nihilistic, individualistic worldview. They're not coming from a patriarchal Christian worldview. Same thing with Jordan Peterson. He was 100% correct on all of his early stuff that he was coming out with. It was just from an individualistic, libertari- uh, individual worldview. We want to come at it from a patriarchal Christian worldview. And so the patriarchal Christian worldview is clean your room, bucko. This is very good. But then... Go clean your neighborhood, then go take out the trash in your tribe. Like go clean your nation. Like we have so much more mission. Go clean your domain. Like what is your work to go do? Go bring order there as a patriarch and as a Christian and as unto the Lord. So, you know, so many, so many Christians, our, you know, you and I were both saved into Christianity from pagan heritage. You know, we never had a heritage Christian upbringing. So we kind of got saved and we're like, okay, in order to be the best Christian, I have to be the pa- become like the pastor. I have to go plant a church or become an elder. Like that's the way to become a Christian. Likewise, all the guys who are brought up in heritage uh, Christian families, it's very similar. Of Like you have to go become a worship leader or a missionary or, you know, all this stuff to please the Lord. And it's like, chaps, you know, we have to understand this thing of domain. Like in the Bible, the Levite tribe was only, uh, it was one twelfth of, of Israel. So only like eight to 10% of dudes are called to the ministry domain. The rest of us, the other 90% of us dudes, our mission for the Lord, our mission to bring the kingdom on earth is in another domain. It's, it's outside of the church. So one of my encouragements to Christian men is to stop focusing on the church as, as your receptacle for mission, as your receptacle for your life's work and significance and meaning. And instead like what are you good at what is your job what is your business what is your passion your hobby go absolutely crush at that thing as unto the lord make that your mission because by being an excellent like i will literally pick the most dorkiest nerdiest thing like let's say radio control car racing like that's my passion <laughs> like imagine that's the case right i'm I'm not i'm not railing on dudes who are i just think it's pretty dorky because i never did it maybe i'm maybe I, maybe i'm bitter i really did want a radio control car. <laughs> yeah.
0: you didn't get it for christmas that one time yeah. yeah but go do
1: that as unto the lord like go be the most excellent race car builder go be the most excellent track meet event organizer go be the most excellent uh driver of the little radio control car And then give glory to god like be a freaking awesome dude that everyone likes and it's like man that guy's really great at this hobby he brings so much value to this club because there's going to be 30 or 40 other dudes who are all there and it's like you are bringing christ to that hobby you are bringing christ to the thing that 30 or 40 other dudes love most and you're saying to them guys god loves this too god loves this so much and he loves you and he loves radio control cars, and he loves that we drive these little things around at 40 miles an hour, and he loves that we geek out at this. God loves this. And like, that's an amazing thing. You know, that's an amazing mission. It's the same with like home, like my passions, the things that I dork out and geek out over are like homesteading, permaculture, and rugby. Like, I love rugby. (laughs) I love permaculture. Like those are the two things I absolutely geek out on. And it's like, it's because God loves rugby. It's because God loves permaculture. So how do we go and be God's man in whatever sphere you want to get involved in those things that you're passionate about? Go and give your gift. Go, you know, if you're an administrative guy, go give your administrative gift. If you're a people person, if you're a get things done guy, like go give your gift in the thing that you're passionate about because God's passionate about it. And then, you know, you'll, you'll be 30, you'll be 40, you'll be 50, you'll be 60. And you'll look back and you'll be like, look at all these friendships I've made. Look at all this stuff I've done. Look at all these things I've built. Look at all these institutions I've been a part of. And, and you know, it's that whole thing we said about the liberals earlier, everywhere they go, they destroy everywhere you go. You've created everywhere you've gone. You've built everywhere you've gone. You've brought life. You've brought Christ.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. That's so true, like so true and so amazing and so inspiring too. Like, you're getting me pumped up right now. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know what I'm doing after this stream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, I wanted to ask, um, I wanted to ask you what what is a man and what is a woman. You've kind of touched on it. It's like all these questions I have for you, you're like perfectly answering beforehand.
1: (laughs) A man is a a creation of God built in or made or however God did it, manufactured in the image of God. So we are image bearers of God. That is what a man is. Uh, A woman is made from a man for a man to be his helpmeet. So that is what a woman is. And... A man has specific roles and authorities that he is to exercise and do as unto the Lord, and a woman has specific roles and authorities that she is to do as unto the Lord and specified by the Lord. Um, and men are good. It says that man, that God made man, and what he, God made man, and what he saw was good. I'm paraphrasing. Excuse my theology, bro is gonna be like. Yeah, how dare
0: you with <laughs> the King James version. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, marriage is good, women are good. You know, we everything that God made was good. And so it's good to be a man. If you're a woman, it's good to be a woman, it's yeah. good to be married, it's good to have children, it's good to have dominion, it's good to build your Eden, you know. So uh, that's a very short little uh, thing there but that's what it is to be a man or a woman. Yeah.
0: Well, that being said in our modern times in these modern times that we live in and exist in are men failing women.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a both end. It's a chicken and egg, uh, you know, cause so my wife and I have a, a joint YouTube channel plug uh, Scott and <laughs> Kelly uh, where we chat about relationships. We chat about homes, our homesteading journey. Uh, we chat about, Health, all that kind of stuff. But um one of the questions we often get is you know, we get tons of young girls reaching out to my wife being like, I just can't find any Christian men. And then for me on Twitter, I get tons of young Christian dudes being like, I just can't find any good young virtuous girls. And it's a it's a chicken and egg thing. Like, you know, did the chicken come from the egg or did the egg come from the chicken? And it's both and it's a both. And it's like an infinitely both and cycle. Are the men at fault or are the women at fault? Both, both and. And, uh, you know, it's the, same, it's, it's, it's the same as we were talking earlier. Like, do we need a politician or do we need the dudes to do their thing? Both and. And so when it comes to, you know, have men failed women? Yes, because men are the ones who will be responsible. Men are the ones who will be called to account by God for the woman in their life. So for, for instance, as a husband, you have you are accountable for your wife to God. You are accountable to your daughters until they get married to a, a husband who takes that authority, fr- that accountability from you. So, you know, because uh, even in the Bible, it's, it's really interesting. It says about the, the qualifications for um, elders or pastors, whatever you want to call them, that their children uh, be in order, that their children be under their authority acting as Christians. So, so that means until that child becomes an adult and has their own family and becomes their own authority system, they are under the authority of their father. And so have men failed women? Yes. Big time. You know, th- there has been a, as men, we need to hold frame uh, for the woman in our lives and protect them from the frame of the enemy, the frame of people who would destroy our families, destroy our wives, destroy us, destroy our children. And, you know, so many fathers take this hands-off approach of like well as long as my daughter's happy as long as my daughter is not you know upset or whatever and it's like you're failing your daughter and by ex by extending that you're failing your son-in-law your f- your future son who has to take that daughter on and now try and apply a frame to her and you know she's never had a frame uh her whole life and so you know kicks against the frame and that's where it becomes now on the woman's side as well so there's a great book that we recommend by Debbie Pearl called preparing to be his helpmeet or created to be his helpmeet. And, you know, it blessed my wife and I, it blessed our marriage. But she basically says like, you know, it's, I think, I think Peter, I think the book of Peter, I might be wrong on this, but says to, to woman, if your husband is not saved, if your husband is a belligerent douche, you should win him to Christ. By your spirit, by submitting to him, by submitting to him and and living the Christian life, you know, and so, so many Christian ladies, they they have a caveat of being submissive to their husbands by saying, well, my husband doesn't deserve for me to submit to him because he's a douche. And um, you know, so many Christians are like, "Yeah, until he's the servant leader, you don't submit. He's <laughs> ish." <laughs> uh, but but actually, you know, the Bible says, "Like, no, he could be an unregenerate heathen, pagan, Odin worshiping abuser, um, and you can win him to Christ by your submissive and sweet spirit,
2: no.
1: uh, and by praying for him." And so, this book created to be as help me it was phenomenal. In uh, you know, one of the one of the um, the things that really blessed my wife was this this uh, quote, I think from Elizabeth Elliott. She was the the wife of that dude who was speared in the Amazon jungle. Um, but she said about marriage and, and submission, uh, submission is not when you both agree on something. Submission is when you both disagree on something. Then that's when you submit. And it's like... No way. It's like, that's pretty genius. Like, you know, like you don't think about it, right? Because everyone's like, well, you know, Scott is such a good boy and he's such a good Christian and he's a servant leader. Of course she will submit. And it's like, that's not when submission is tested. Submission is tested when Scott's an arrogant douche, uh, pagan Odinist LARPer, you know, like that's when submission is tested. Um, and so many Christian
0: real quick, it's like, and then as men, like we're called to submit to Christ. And that's a good point because it's like why do you have to submit because like we don't want to do those things we have this natural inclination to do for ourselves no you have to submit you have to humble yourself you have to like let go of your ego and your wants and your personal desires and do what is righteous like it's not natural you have to submit that's a great point yeah
1: Yeah. so yeah man so it's it's a chicken and egg thing you have to make peace with
0: your enemies you can't make peace with your allies right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, are men at fault? Yes. Are women at fault? Yes. What do we do about it? Become a better man. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and, and that's as well why, why I encourage dudes like, you know, again, to, to get back to the raw realism of it. Like, you know, praise God, my wife and I, we, we both got married at 20. She was 25. I was 25 uh, 26 on our, we met when we were 25, married when we were 26 and, um, you know, praise God. My wife never had a a boyfriend before me. You know, she was a virtuous girl who had a heart after the Lord and, you know, praise God for that. But for the majority of girls, that's not the case. Like my wife was an exception. The majority of girls are going to, you know, they're going to have a good father, you know, hopefully if they're in a Christian church or household, they're going to they're gonna have a good vision, a good frame, a good father, you know, for their teenage years. And then they're going to go to college. And guess what happens at college? You get indoctrinated, you get brainwashed, and you get gang-banged, and you get indebted. Like, there is no 99% of girls are not going to have the strength of character and virtue to escape that frame that is put on them. Yeah. So, my advice to guys is you want to find a girl young. You know, you want to find a girl who's who's not gone to college, you know, and, and before she gets indoctrinated and, and brainwashed and gangbanged and indebted, you want to marry her. And then you can actually, you can grow together. And like, you know, because I was, this is another thing I say about marriage. And I was born into a liberal libertarian frame. My wife was born into a liberal feminist frame. You know, that is the water we were born into. So I have to constantly repent to my wife of my liberal libertarian, habits because that's what i was born into you know i was born into do do what you want baby whatever makes you happy
2: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah just
1: just be a soft servant leader and be a little you know soy boy um and my wife has to repent to me of being a feminist and being independent and being a strong woman and all this kind of stuff you know and so um what i i encourage guys to do is marry a young girl who you can learn, you can grow together, and you learn how to be a masculine man who holds frame, and she will learn how to be a feminine woman who is your helpmeet. And, you know, there is no perfect trad girl. There is no perfect virtuous girl who, who is perfectly feminine and submissive and a homemaker and a helpmeet, and her dad has trained her up, and like, you know, her dad is like giga chad trad dad, and she was this homeschooled, you know 10 out of 10 hot virgin uh who can cook and sew and garden and she's 18 and you marry her and life is perfect and life ever after and fairy tale it's like dude even if that girl existed even if that girl existed the moment you marry her it would fall apart because you are a liberal you are a frameless libertarian soy boy and she would fall into your frame she would fill your frame, you know? So that's what, what my wife and I are learning in marriage, you know, is like, man, I'm learning how to be a man. I'm learning how to be a father. I'm learning, uh, you know, we're not yet parents, you know, we, we pray to God for, for, for children, but I'm learning how to be that man who can be a patriarchal father, husband frame, you know holding man like that's what i'm learning to be and you know every day because that's what i wasn't trained to be that's what i wasn't i didn't have that vision it's hard you know and so you fail but you keep like okay that's the vision that's the vision and it's the same way for ladies you know they they want a strong man but i I would say to most ladies like this is what my wife and i will counsel ladies when they they have these questions you know so you know gavin McInnes has this classic you know he's like you can draw a blob and like that girl will have a man who's willing to marry her <laughs> you know like every single girl on earth has yeah. a man at least who's willing to marry her yeah. and so what we counsel you know christian woman is like sure you know play the field until you're like 20 like you know you have options you can hold out for captain america but after you're 21 like you need to trade in your chips young lady like you need to settle for whoever's you know the best of who's willing to marry you you know because you're not going to hold out to 30 and then have someone better than who was willing to marry you at 21 like it's not going to happen and so what what we encourage young ladies is like hey if there's an average dude who's like not captain america but he's into you and you're like okay with him like your job is to marry him and be his helpmeet so that he does you know go to the moon you know, in his stock market price, in his status, in his, in his mission, you know, Um, you will, you will, you, you helping him, he will become higher status. You know, that's your role as a helpmeet is to help this man build the status of his household. Yeah, that's great. That's
0: amazing. And I was going to ask you, how do we rebuild men? But you just answered it. You keep answering all my questions perfectly. Well, praise God. <laughs> when I want to bring this up, it's, uh, again, another thing you're not going to visually be able to see for the audio listeners. But um, you post this on your Instagram, and it's someone else quoting you, Eric Kahn, quoting you. And you said, If you love money and debt more than God and family, you will send your wife to be another man's helpmeet and your kids to be raised by women that hate you and your God. And I thought that was probably one of the most profound things <laughs> I've ever read. Like most like, like, you know, two sentence thing is like covered like eight different topics perfectly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have it up on my screen now. It's great. You have a lot of these actually on your Instagram page. So I really recommend people following at least, you know, your Gab page for sure. So go support Gab. Shout out Gab. If you're over on Twitter, definitely follow him on Twitter. He's definitely posting. Hey,
2: King Torbat.
0: Yeah. And Instagram, for sure. Courage, my lads. Um, but yeah, that's just so great and so profound. And it's kind of what you're talking about. Like, you know, these roles have been so misconstrued and twisted and inverted where it's just become so normalized to like, like you said, send your wife to another man <laughs> to yep. be his help you're sending your yeah. kids off to go be raised by other women who hate you and hate your God, you know? And ten years yeah. ago you could you would have said that and people would have called you crazy. And at this point, yeah. I don't know if they can. You know how yeah. many like libs of TikTok video come out of all these <laughs> LGBT teachers talking about like openly bragging about how they're like brainwashing our children and yeah. you know teaching them to hate us and the recent Disney stuff this week where they're basically admitting to what we all knew all along and got called crazy, which is like Disney is satanic and trying to brainwash our children. You know, it's like at this point, like you have to be dumb or a liar to not see like how evil this system is that we have where women just abandon their kids at a school basically as a daycare (laughs) that indoctrinates them to hate us, to hate their mom, to hate their ancestors, to hate their culture, to hate their religion and their faith. And we're all just acting like it's a good thing or that it's not, it's not a big deal. And you're crazy if you point out that it's a bad thing or if you think that it's a bad thing, it's like you're the problem. Um, Yeah. But then the the start of that phrase is like the the catalyst of it all, right? If you love money and debt more than God and family, that's why you do it. Why are people doing this? Like why is our society doing this? And that's the answer. Yeah. People are loving the world more than they love God. They're focusing yep. on this life and their self more than they're focusing on eternity and a spiritual reunion with God. And yep. like, just look at the disastrous results of that. So yeah, yep. again, I just thought that was the most profound like two sentences I've ever read in my life. is <laughs> Right there, you know, it's like every problem summarized right there perfectly. Um, and you touched on this too, I was going to ask you um, kind of a two-part question you touched on both of these is, is comfort a good thing? and is suffering a good
1: thing yeah i think um i think with comfort you know i I think i think what we really seek is peace and prosperity you know because because what is civilization civilization is the peace and prosperity of your children's children you know proverb says a righteous man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So so when we talk about civilization, when we talk about, uh, you know, Western civilization or like, you know, has a country achieved civilization? Are they savages or are they civil? What we're talking about is, is there violence and poverty in that nation or is there peace and prosperity? And so like coming from South Africa, South Africa was a civilization. You know, there used to be a civilization. There was peace in the land. There was prosperity in the land. uh, Whereas now there's violence and poverty across the land. So civilization has been lost. America, this great, amazing American dream. What was the American dream? It was the ability for you to achieve peace and prosperity in your lifetime and then pass that on to your children's children. And so now that civilization is collapsing because what we're seeing for the first time is the children's children, us, we, we are the children's children that are not able to access that peace and prosperity. And so the civilization is crumbling. And, um, you know, what is prosperity? Cause a lot of guys get triggered by that word, like, Oh, prosperity gospel and all this stuff It's like, no, God speaks openly and freely. And many times about prosperity in, in the Bible and prosperity is the ability to to live well off of one father's labor. In other words, can a father have a family, a household on his work? You know, can your work provide for your wife, your children, your household? Then you're prosperous, you know, and, and praise God if you're more prosperous than that. That's wonderful. God bless. But that is the baseline of prosperity. Can one man, one man's work support his family and lay up an inheritance for his children's children? And then peace, you know, is there violence in the land? Is there corruption? Is there lying? Is there injustice? Then there's no peace. There's no peace. And so when we say comfort, comfort is the counterfeit. Comfort is the counterfeit of civilization. Comfort is the counterfeit of peace and prosperity. So if you have a big box McMansion in the suburbs, you know, talking about the boomer generation here, if you have a big box McMansion in the suburbs and you don't live around, you know, uh, minority conflict, high areas, you know, you have peace, you have peace in the suburbs, technically peace, you know, um, and, and you have prosperity, you know, you have this crazy fake wealth, you know, that, you know, you bought property 30 years ago for, you know, 50 grand is now worth 500 grand. Like good on you. You have prosperity. Um, but it's not civilization it's just comfort because you cannot pass it on to your children's children you know your children's children cannot afford uh, to escape the minority area they cannot afford to have legal protection from an unjust legal system they cannot afford uh, to to uh, raise a family on one man's work you know and so so while you may have comfort your children's children do not have peace or prosperity they do not have you know the civilization and so comfort is the great counterfeit that you know it was a bait and switch you know the boomers were given civilization uh and the bait and switch was that they they swapped it for comfort and so for us you know we have to get to this place of of and again you know it's we can be disappointed in the boomers but but we, we can't resent them you know we can't be angry we have to forgive you have to forgive them and and you know right it's good to have anger it's righteous anger is a good thing you cannot you cannot have resentment towards them you must forgive them so so forgive the boomers but it's okay also to speak the truth against them it's it's okay to rebuke and discipline and so and to carry the lessons forward to our generation, so our generation we cannot make the same mistakes. We cannot uh, we cannot live for comfort. We cannot embrace comfort as the number one uh, metric of decision making for our life. So what what must we embrace? We must embrace God's call for our lives. What is God's call? Family, local economy, tribal institutions. Okay that is my work that is what i will do that is my mountain that i will climb that is my giant that i will fight and that is going to be uncomfortable which then will also lead to suffering you know if david had never gone and shot goliath in the face he would never have encountered the suffering of being chased out of the the palace by saul later on you know he could have lived a very comfortable life just being a sheep a shepherder for his father's business. Like he would have been comfortable and he could avoid all the suffering by not giving his gift. He could avoid all the suffering by not going and crushing in his domain. And so that's what we have today. You know, we have all these men who are stuck in, in trying to chase comfort and avoid suffering when actually we should embrace giving our gift, which one day might lead to peace and prosperity. Praise God that it does, you know, that's the hope uh that we do all this stuff is for either a a a temporal peace and prosperity on this earth for in our lifetime like praise god that that happens but if not for us then for our children's children why are we sacrificing why are we building why are we suffering now because one day our children's children will inherit peace and prosperity you know why do we shop local when it's 20 to 30 percent more expensive why do we not send our children to the public school when it's so much easier to just ship them off rather than look after them yourself. Why do we keep our wife home from working for corporations when we could have a double income? Yeah. Like these are all, you know, why do we not follow the mandate, you know, when it means we get fired? Like there's so many things that are the harder decision, but it's like that are suffering now. It's suffering now, but the the hope, the the future hope is that our children's children will inherit peace and prosperity.
0: amazing (laughs) amazing well are we do you think we're living in the best of times or the worst of times
1: uh that very much depends on whether you are a best man or a worst man (laughs) yeah yeah are we the best of men or are we the worst of men (laughs) you know I, i seem to think you know it's like the whole the whole thing of the founding fathers and the puritans and the pilgrims and you know whatever your nation is whatever your history is we all have we all have as our great men the men who lived through the worst of times but they were the best of men you know so so for me being an anglo an african anglo like man i loved english history like all i grew up reading english war history and like all of our heroes were these men who were their context was the worst of times you know they were they were surrounded on all sides they were under fire they were under Manned and overgunned, and <clears throat> you know, all of the war stories that you love are the best of men conquering the worst of times, yeah. you know. And so, for us right now, like, sure, you know, yeah, we, we, most people would be like, oh, these are the worst of times. And it's like, yeah, sure. And then a lot of people would be like, and I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I have no, I'm too small to play in this game. Whereas for me, I'm like, fella, you know, where all that God's got, like, let's go play, you know, let's go be the best of men in the ruins and let's build Christendom, you know?
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, A couple last questions for you, but um, do you have any questions for me?
1: Yeah, man. I, I, I think for you, I'd say, what are you, uh, what are you pumped about uh, over this next? uh, You know, we're heading into spring and summer. What are you? uh, Have you got any projects or things you're pumped about on the horizon?
0: Yeah, um, well, I'm gonna go get baptized in the next few weeks or month or two. Yeah, I've been putting that off for silly reasons for a while. Um, I got a new job, so it's figuring out this new job, and um, it's basically. it doesn't actually require, require, but it's basically requires me to learn Spanish. Um, Very cool. <laughs> so I'm like really getting into like, learning Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hola, como se llama? <laughs> oh, too. Yeah. And then uh, my coworkers, I have to learn it because I'm going to be the boss eventually of a landscape company. Not the awesome. boss, but, you know, one of the three project managers, of, you know, there's three crews kind of. And yeah. everyone there speaks Spanish and about 13-ish, 13 or 14 of the 20 guys only speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah. So in order to be the boss, like not only is this a new job that I have to like learn everything about um, and learn how to become a boss kind of mindset, yeah. but I also have to like aggressively learn Spanish so that I can like actually communicate with these people Um, but it's pretty good and they like have respect to me because i'm you know nice and goofy and they can see that i'm trying to learn i'm not just ignorantly being like you can learn english (laughs) you can learn what i say bucko (laughs) you're in my country it's like no like that's cool like i want to learn your language you know it's really fun it's cool like it's good to know um so that's that's kind of my summer is learning not only how to you know, learning this job and learning how to become a, a, a you know, basically a supervisor role at this job, but then also like yeah. learning an entirely new language so that I can do that all successfully. Awesome. Um, so that's like my summer. That's like what I just got hired to do this spring and summer and then potentially beyond, you know, um, nice. so that's immediate. And then I'm also trying to learn how to grow food. I'm going to start growing uh, fruit trees that I'm basically like... Very cool. Going to learn how to grow from seed or like from... I'm going to buy some that are like a foot tall or two feet tall. Yep. Um, and basically just like grow them in my apartment for like five or yeah. ten years from now.
1: Yeah, just keep them all in pots.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to kind of build a makeshift green, greenhouse too. Very cool. So that's kind of my summer project. Um, and I'm gonna an I read right uh,
1: I read David the Goods. Uh, I yeah. bought his book on uh, on seedlings and uh, uh, propagating and stuff. I found that very helpful. So I've, yeah. I, we we need to compare seeds on Instagram. <laughs> um, I put a bunch of uh, I put a bunch of uh, plums and cherries and apples and uh, peaches. I think uh, all in the freezer uh, over the winter. So uh, I'm gonna plant them out now this spring. So yeah, we'll we'll compare seeds. <laughs>
0: Are you uh, growing zones six or five?
1: Yeah. Six? Six, yep.
0: Yeah, I'm seven. Seven's a good one to be in. Yeah. Uh thankfully. <laughs> it's kinda of like the best of all the worlds in uh seven. Six is really good too though. Six is a good one. Um yep. yeah, so I'm new to all of this. I'm a born and raised city boy who didn't focus on anything that mattered. <laughs> So I've spent the last like two or three years like reading about everything and learning about and watching, uh-huh. podcasting. So I have a lot of yeah. knowledge, but I don't have any of like the practical yeah. no, you do. part, you know. So now it's trial and error time. I uh, yeah. Two years ago, my first apartment here in Nashville, they had raised beds out in front. And they had two that were like occupied and then one that like wasn't. So I just, like, went to the store and, like, bought some seeds. (laughs) Just, like, threw them in the dirt. Like, it was so dumb. Like, I just did not know what I was doing. I was like, oh, might as well. Like, no one's using this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And basically, I just grew bird food or squirrel food because I didn't get any of it. It's just, like, out in the open in this apartment complex. And, like, anything I wasn't like, the things I were growing just, like, rotted and got eaten. (laughs) Yep. So a learning – I learned, you know, you got to have – for netting and protection and, <laughs> and, and a you know, raffle yeah <laughs> yeah so i learned what not to do it was a good learning yeah. experience from that so i haven't like actually had a good real serious attempt at it yet um but i'm gonna start it's like i'm yeah I, praise I god a few streams ago it's like time to stop making excuses like oh i live in an apartment so i can't it's like well i think it'll be really
1: fun for you as well because you do have a bit of a media kind of uh uh porthole that a lot of people will watch you do this through so my wife and i man we put everything like we put everything of our homesteading slash gardening journey on on youtube and i was like oh that was embarrassing we made like all our mistakes live (laughs) (laughs) and then you get all these people who are like i've been gardening for 50 years uh here's your problem and you're like oh thank you sensei (laughs) yeah bro that's exciting man just go exactly like the more stuff you do You know, my wife was actually just out on the deck today uh, seating a bunch of of things and uh, we were just saying how, uh, you know, fun it's been like all the mistakes we made last season and then all the mistakes we made before that and then all the mistakes. you're Like every season you're like, man, like, look how much we've learned and look how much we've done. And, you know, it you can only do that when you start you know and I, th- I feel like so many people are just afraid of starting because we know nothing you know and you watch these youtube dudes who are like here's my beautiful sweet garden and you're like oh my thing died <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah what do i do i don't it didn't turn out how the youtube video did it didn't turn out yeah. how the book said it would you know what yeah you know that's why i like good um and wrangler stars they really yeah. are like basically like four dummies it's like okay like you know here's a common mistake i've made this mistake before don't do that And it's yeah, like, they're not pretentious
1: they're not pretending to yeah. be like better than you and i'm the expert and you're the the noob
0: yeah and it's like that it's like it's like they're like pretty humble about like i've made this mistake yeah. in the past like let me give you some advice don't do this don't buy this you know don't waste your money on this don't waste your yeah. time on this whereas sometimes you can find these people it's like great advice it's a Truly, it's like great advice, but it's like, so I did this and it worked out perfectly. And it's like, well, I did that and it didn't. So yeah. What now? Uh... <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, it's like the joke I would say is like I've, I've listened to like this whole podcast series about how to like build fences and various types of fences. And it's like, man, I could tell you how to build fences very well. But I have not built a fence ever in my life. I have not put yep. a fence post ever. Like, I know what to do. I know what materials to buy. I know how to do barbed wire, chain link, you know, all these different types. I can tell you all about it. But have I done it? No. <laughs> Will I ever do it? Hopefully, you know, maybe. Yeah. Like, but it's like at some point you have to stop just pretending you're doing something meaningful by like learning, like watching someone do it or learning about yeah. it. That's good. That's useful. That's the first step. But you then have to, like, go do it, too, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm at that point where it's like, all right, it's time to put up or shut up and go do it, you know?
1: Yeah, praise God, bro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's my that's another summer project I have, yeah. Awesome. My boy Demon Hunter Bear in the chat says, Yo, Tango, El Gato, and Los Pantalones, which means I have a cat in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so you might want to get that, you might want to take it out. I don't know what it's doing there, if it's that's supposed hilarious. to be there, or if it's an accidental uh, cat in your pants, but yeah
2: (laughs) that is hilarious
0: yeah um and then before my final question for you do you want to give like your plugs your shout outs to the people
1: yeah um yeah on twitter is where i uh i feel like i'm i'm what's the word making important important thoughts on the world but i (laughs) yeah actually it's uh it's just banter with the lads. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I so, uh, really enjoy just uh, reaching out with guys on Twitter and um, uh, you know making connections on Twitter. Uh, it's been a really great uh, tool. You know, Just meeting up with guys in, in person has been wonderful and, and having phone calls with guys. So uh, yeah, praise God. Uh, link up on Twitter and then YouTube. Yep, my wife and I have a, a, a channel together called Scott and Kelly, um, where we share all our, our homesteading and, and just our lifestyle stuff. And then um, I live stream. I try to live stream uh, Monday to Friday, uh, usually 4 p.m. EST. um, And uh, my live stream hits on nationalism, localism, tribalism, uh, race, sex, money, all the taboo topics that we all like to think about but uh, are not allowed to talk about.
0: only thing, only problem I have is you need to do podcasts so I can listen to your stream. As I so
1: <laughs> believe it or not, fine sir, so believe it or the not. criticism
0: I have is put this on a podcast.
1: <laughs> I have done it. So my podcast oh, is uh, either Courage My Lads or Scott Tangay, type both of those in and you'll find it. So I put all my streams across to podcast uh, on Apple and Spotify, I think. and. Um, I'm, I'm about 30 episodes behind, so I'm slowly catching up wow. to where eventually I will be uh, podcast the same as the day before his show. But uh, yes, believe it or not, I have a podcast. Praise God.
0: And <laughs> yeah, that's good. The, the annoying thing is YouTubing. Because I, 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 as I work, like, I, you know, six hours a day, I can like yeah. six to eight hours. You know, there's times where I have to people. Like to people. Your data. But it's a lot of just shoveling and planting. Yeah, is my job right now. So I'm listening to podcasts all day, every day. But the most annoying thing is YouTube because I can't. It drains the battery, you, you know that kind of yeah. thing. Like, I the screen. Of that, so I have to podcast it only so good it's annoying when i'm like man i love these youtube channels i really wish they'd have a podcast and i must i must have made a mistake because i searched for you on the podcast and i didn't find it so i'll have to research and maybe they're maybe, maybe they're
2: shadowing it. me <laughs> yeah yeah
0: hopefully not hopefully not so i'll add you to the to the rotation because i love listening to you awesome. but i just don't, don't ever have the time to like sit Thank down you. And watch yeah. and it's not just you it's like everyone else that's awesome on youtube i can't like yeah. sit down for an hour and, and ingest the gravy that's being ladled out you know but i can at work <laughs> i can't right. multitask um yeah yeah that's awesome and then your website too is amazing i think everyone should definitely go Thank check you. it out follow at courage my lads twitter instagram and gab and then scottstungaycom and it's three t's in the middle of that I typed That's it wrong right. the first time. Don't do that. <laughs> Scott with two T's and then tongue gay.com. That's yeah, amazing. And my final question for you is, did you have a fun time tonight?
1: Yeah, man, this was great. I uh, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed, uh, thoroughly enjoyed our chats. You're a very good, uh, <clears throat> interviewer <Yeah>. and host. <laughs> yeah. It's always great to chat with like-minded folks and, uh, yeah, man, praise God. I, I, I think, um, you know, the more dudes who are, are doing media, the better, you know, like we need as many of our guys uh, producing content as possible. So praise God for you, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And I'll have to have you back on because I have a whole bunch of questions we didn't get to and topics we didn't get to. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll, we'll like do this again. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Awesome. Sweet thank you, Sean. It. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this.